Well, I hope that image is starting to mean more and more to you as we go through this series on the blessed life, that we are people who've been poured into and then it overflows from us to be a blessing and benefit to others. As we were preparing for this service today, some weeks ago, and talking about the theme, what it means, uh, Pastor Javon said it reminds him of a television show that ran about four seasons a few years ago called uh, Strange Inheritance. And it was about people who uh, found out after a loved one died that they had a unique kind of inheritance left to them. Sometimes things of, of great value like rare collector baseball cards. Uh, somebody discovered they had a Stradivarius violin. Uh, someone had a 1913 nickel worth millions of dollars. And the strange part of it, it's not just the items, it's the fact that people discovered that these things were in their homes already and they didn't realize it. And it raises an interesting thought. What if we all believed that right now in our homes, in our lives, are things of tremendous value? Does that give you a greater sense of gratitude about your life right now? Paul would say that it should. Think again about some words he used in the lesson that we heard read just a moment ago. May you have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. Paul says the reason, one of them at least, we have to be thankful about our lives is that every one of us has received a strange inheritance, an inheritance of the saints. Just exactly what is he talking about? In the Old Testament, the word inheritance was often associated with land, the land of the promised land, such as the time when the people settled it under Joshua. All of the promised land was apportioned to the 12 tribes, which meant that every family, every person inherited land. They had something to pass on to future generations. Paul uses the word inheritance with more of a spiritual meaning. Instead of talking about land, instead of talking about a, a worldly possession, he's talking about a spiritual inheritance and that what we receive from our, our saints rather than a portion of land is a portion of God. They literally pass on to us a part of who God is, a portion of God. Now, got to be a little careful here because that does not mean our saints have to be perfect in order to pass on God to us. Our saints were not perfect. They were people. People are imperfect. But God uses imperfect people to communicate and pass on God's presence we know and experience God through people so not everything we inherited from our saints was necessarily great maybe you inherited from one of your saints a temperamental spirit maybe you inherited a bad habit maybe you inherited a critical spirit or judgmentalism the good news is you don't have to keep it. You can get rid of that part of your inheritance. 
we don't have a choice as to what we inherit. We have a choice into what we hold on to. This is where that idea of inheritance of land or inheritance of God makes for an important distinction about the way we face life. Because if we, if we focus on the land, if you will, we're really talking about where we are. And that where includes a lot of things. It, it includes what we have in life right now. It includes our relationships. It includes our health. It includes our jobs. And if your where determines your how, your here will never be fully satisfying. Does that make sense? Because our land is transitory, it's temporary. It doesn't last. And at any one point of our here and now, there's something that's not going to be as great as we wish it would be. I mean, our job might be incredible. We might be doing really great at work. But, oh, if this relationship would just come together in my life, it's burdening me. And maybe the relationship comes together, but then we get sick. You know what I mean? There's always going to be something that we go, oh, if this one little piece would come together, then then I'd have everything I need to be satisfied. But when we focus on our portion of God, we don't put as much attention on the gifts as we do the giver. And when we focus on the giver, what we find is right now, right now, my where can be fully satisfying what did you inherit from your saints what did you receive from your saints you want to hold on to and you want to keep this is where all saints day speaks into stewardship really well because stewardship begins with gratitude not, not what we give, not what we can do for other people. That's where some people begin with stewardship. They jump right to what we're supposed to give and do. And that's why some people just dislike stewardship. But that's not where you start. You start with stewardship, understanding we've all been given to. We are all recipients. We have received blessing. And stewardship is meant to begin in a place where we recognize I'm a blessed person because when, when we understand we have a reason to be grateful, it positively shapes the way we live. I read recently about a teacher in the inner city who was becoming frustrated that her students did not want to learn more than they did. They, they just didn't have an appetite to learn, a hunger for It was taking so much work to get the students to want to learn. And she understood that most of her students came from challenged environments, maybe challenged financially, challenged by the influence of violence, and it, it dampened their hope for the future. And if you don't have hope in the future and that your world can get better, then why try? Well, what, is it, what does it mean to even want to learn if it's not going to improve your situation. So she came up with an idea. She gave assignments to her students to study the names on their schools. 
Names like Eliza Blaker, for whom IPS School 55 is named. Eliza Blaker, as some of the students who had her name found out, was influenced by her Quaker tradition and her father's social activism as an abolitionist of slavery. She worked to empower the less fortunate. This was no doubt shaped by her own upbringing in which her family was financially challenged and her father died when she was just 15 years old. She grew up to be a pioneer in education in Indianapolis, establishing free kindergartens and providing education and social services for the poor. Other students learned about Crispus Attucks. Crispus Attucks was an enslaved person who escaped and became free, went to Boston. With a small group, he confronted British soldiers one day who pulled out their rifles and they shot and killed Crispus Attucks. And that sparked the Boston Massacre, which sparked the American Revolution. He's remembered for his patriotism and his courage. And so when the city of Indianapolis named one of its high schools Thomas Jefferson High School, they said, hey, wait a minute. Let's change that name. Let's see if we can better inspire the students who are going to come to this high school. And they named it Crispus Attucks High School. The teacher found that it started to impact the students. They started contributing more in their education. Because when we discover that someone back of us sacrificed for our benefit, it inspires something within us. It gives us a desire. It gets us thinking about what do we have to give back? What can we do for other people? And for people of faith, what we learn is that when you trace it far enough back, you come to the hand of God and you realize that there is a God who is looking after us, who is aware of us, who wants to take care of us and bless us and that that God will not give up on us. That God is still on the job. This is where gratitude begins to shape our life. It's why Paul called them the saints of the light. We are enabled to share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. Light is a metaphor for God. These saints are people through whom God's light was reflected through their living. A great metaphor for this idea of gratitude is a prism. A prism refracts light. It it separates and it divides and it sharpens light. And on one side of a, of a prism, the light gets larger. It's multicolored. It, it widens. It goes out. On the other side, it narrows. And so therefore, things around it are a little bit darker. And a prism becomes a good illustration of what gratitude does for you and me. If we look at life through the lens of gratitude, well, life just gets bigger. It gets more colorful. It gets more beautiful. But when we don't have gratitude, light just gets narrow. And things around it get darker. 
in Kent Millard's book, uh, the, path, the Gratitude Path, he has this wonderful line in it. He writes, what we count, we increase. What we count, we increase. If we count the reasons to be frustrated, disappointed, discouraged, feeling shorted, cheated, well, those feelings are going to increase. And we'll go around looking for reasons to hold on to those feelings, and we'll find them. But if we count blessings, count the good things in our lives, count the unexpected resources that came our way, count the kindnesses that people show to us, then that will increase as well. And we will notice that even more. We will become more aware every day of the reasons for Thanksgiving. Do you ever struggle with discouragement in life? Just getting down? Starting to believe that there really isn't goodness in this world, at least not goodness for you, if you do at all. I want to encourage you to practice a little exercise. Uh, I get a lot of these kinds of little notebooks as gifts, or I get them from organizations, just pages, empty pages, you know. Sometimes they're very nice, they're leather-bound. This one came with a pen in it, so it made it really easy. I want you to take one of these and make it your gratitude journal. Try this for a while. Every day, maybe put the date at the top and keep, get into a habit of, of keeping aware every day of what is something you're thankful for. And it might be several things, no matter how little it is. You know, uh, I looked down and noticed a penny on the ground. Wow, <laughs> okay, I'll hold on to that. What, what is anything, anything? You know, somebody called you out of the blue to say, hey, I don't know why, I was just thinking of you. You doing okay? Who knows what it might be, but write down, you know, it's good to know someone cares. It's good to know someone's thinking about me. Whatever it is, write it down, and then every month or so, go read your own journal and see what it does to you. See what it does to your discouragement. See what it does to your frustration. I left from this service last week to drive down to North Carolina. My mom is not doing well. My dad passed away in January, so like many of you, that last slide of standing to remember other people, I stood remembering my dad. Well, my mom's going downhill rapidly this year. Um, so my sister had called me Saturday, and I thought, well, I can get down there real quick after church and then drove back on Tuesday. As I was driving back Tuesday, I was listening to a Christian radio station, and I think I was in West Virginia. They have a lot of Christian radio in West Virginia, <laughs> quite a bit. And I was listening to the song, uh, 10,000 Reasons. And at the end of the song, the disc jockey came on, and she said um, the song reminded her of a book she read in high school called 10,000 Reasons to Praise Jesus. And she said that's exactly what the book was. First page, number one reason, number two reason, number, it went to 10,000. She said, if you make it to the end of the book, you're like exhausted. And that's when you learn the author's intent. The author said, if you're kind of weary, then that's sort of the point. That if you've gotten this far, then hopefully by now you understand no matter what's going on in your life, you still have a reason. There's always one more reason to give thanks and if you go far enough, 
you realize that our greatest reason for giving thanks is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our greatest inheritance. When you think about this business of inheritance, earthly inheritances are not fair. They're not the same. There are some people who inherit masses of wealth from family or friends, and it is easy to be envious of them. To look at them and go, oh my goodness, well, sure, if I had their inheritance, life would be easy for me too. But I don't know. I don't know. I've known a lot of families who inherited big wealth and they couldn't even talk to each other. They couldn't even be in relationship with each other because of what the wealth did to them over the years. I, I don't know if, if it is something to envy. But our spiritual inheritance means we do all inherit the same thing. And if you're a person who never received one acre of land in your life, you never had any worth passed on to you in a worldly measurement. You never had a good word spoken into your life. You didn't have someone to show you love and help pick you up when you fell down. You didn't have someone to help you believe in who you are and what you can do in life. If you didn't even have that, your inheritance in Jesus Christ means you do have someone in the picture who sacrificed for you and laid down his life for you because he believes in you. He loves you. He wants to pick you up. He wants you to know you are worth dying for. And he believes in you. And he forgives you. And he will never, ever, ever turn his back on you.